Welcome to the Wage Indicator Podcast, a podcast where we highlight developments, best practices, events, research, and more on global issues in the gig economy. My name is Martin Aretz, and I am your host today. Online work via platforms offers many workers around the world access to the labor market. For workers, the world is a potential source of employment, but also a competitor. The extent to which this is an opportunity or a threat depends on the uniqueness of your skills and the skills needed for the job. The balance between supply and demand and, of course, where you live on the globe. When you live in an area where the cost of living is high, you are at a disadvantage compared to those with similar skills living in an area where the cost of living is low. The market around online work is creating a truly global job market with all the opportunities and challenges that come with it. To learn more about the dynamics of a global labor market, I had a conversation with Floor van Haren, co-founder of Kokoroko. International companies looking for customer service professionals get in touch with candidates from all over the world via Kokoroko's platform. Once they find a suitable person, they start working for the organization remotely. While platforms in this sector do not have the best reputation on treating workers and classify workers as freelancers, Kokoroko stands out in the market by employing the majority of the workers according to local standards. What opportunities and threats does it present when workers can basically work for organizations from around the world? In this episode of the Gig Work podcast from the Wage Indicator Foundation, I talked to Floor van Haren to learn more about his unique platform and developments in the global labor market. We are a marketplace for talent, for remote talent actually. So we give people the opportunity to work location independent. So people from Spain, South Africa, Portugal, they can work for international companies. We typically do that now for Dutch companies focusing on, on customer service. So customer service team, they struggle to find people, whether it's because of the scarcity of people in the Dutch talent pool, whether it's about cost. And we give them the opportunity to, to easily find people through the marketplace. But the candidates, they live somewhere else. So uh, talking about Dutch candidates, talking about German candidates, which are maybe native, which maybe were born in the Netherlands, which are maybe born in Germany, but they decided to move to another country for work, for love, for study because they just love it. And we give them the opportunity to work from there. And apart from that, we give a lot of local people the opportunity to work, to have access to work. And that's what's giving a big value proposition to them. So uh, in what continents does your uh, supply of people comes from? So is it Europe, Africa? Yeah, so typically we find people in Europe, mostly Southern Europe countries, Africa. We have done that in the past also to Asia and to Latin America, for example. But because of the time zone, we typically find people in the EMEA time zone. So I would say, yeah, all the way down to South Africa and predominantly in Spain, Portugal, Turkey, Bosnia, for example. And we simply know how to find the people and where to find them, which have also a good match with the people in the Netherlands, a cultural fit. Because we have also seen in the past that if we hire people maybe in other continents, that they are good, uh, they have the skills to do it, but the cultural fit is not, not always there. So it depends really on the, what the company wants. And how does the relation with a worker looks like? Because it's not about short gigs. It is more probably about more a more long-term relationships. So can, can you tell me more about what kind of 
time periods <clears throat> are people also linked to the platforms? Yeah, so we typically look at the need from the company. So talking, for example, about the Dutch company, the need to staff their customer support team. It can have multiple things. Sometimes there's a need for more structural need. So then we're talking more about employees. Sometimes there's more super flexible need where people can work with less supervision and they can decide how to do the work. And then sometimes we work at freelance. So it really depends on the nature of the job. So uh, apart from that, companies can find people on our platform, the talent, we also payroll them. So we also take them basically on, on our shoulders, on our contract in the country they're living. And then we decide based on the nature again of the job, whether freelance is a fit or whether employees is a fit. Mostly we work with employees. So I would say 70, 80% of our people, they work as employee because in the classification, we decided basically together with our local partner uh, that employee is a better fit. Uh, but sometimes there are natures of a job which can be done as a freelance. And how does your model and your platform differ from the incumbents or traditional markets? Well, I would say... <clears throat> If you look more on the on the local market players here in the Netherlands, uh, kind of the, the employment agencies, because that's where companies typically go to if they need a flex layer, they all look in the same talent pool. So they're all kind of fish in the Netherlands, typically in Amsterdam, typically in Rotterdam, and the pool is only as big as it is. So if you look on a radius of 45 minutes around the office, because that's typically what people want to commute to go to an office, there may be five, six million people living there. And if you all look in the same talent pool, there is scarcity and you struggle to find people. And nowadays people of companies want flexibility. One day they need people, the other day they don't, especially in customer service because of seasonality, for example, because maybe the weather. And how do we differ is that we find the people remote. So we find them in another country and it's not for the sake of finding people in another country, but there's more supply if you look in more countries. So they're not just 5 million people living in the talent pool, but they're literally a billion people living worldwide. And if you have that supply and if you can curate that, so if you can do all kinds of assessments, you can really select the right fit for the company. So whether it's on hard skills, whether it's on soft skills, whether it's on cultural fit, as I said, so it's more of a selection game. So how do we differentiate? Is that we find people remote, that we can select people more. So we tend to find people which, which have more quality fit as well. So they have experience in customer service, for example. They speak the native language. They know about the local market. So if a company is, is providing or selling a product in, in Spain or in Germany, we find people we know the local market. And as I already said, we employ the people. So whether it's on freelance, whether it's an, an employee, we take that from end to end. And employment, is that really different compared to the, to the industry? Well, what you see with more so the, the employment agencies, they obviously do this. But with the remote players, traditionally, there were more job boards or freelance marketplaces where you can find people. They not always curate the people, so they don't do all the assessments. So that's still a differentiator. But typically, you can find someone there, and then it's up to you to employ someone. And then you can nowadays go there are more and more global payroll players coming now. And the typical employer of record providers, they do offer a global payroll and they're doing really great. But for a company, you find with us or with a platform, you find someone and you need to go to them to build a relationship there to employ it. And we decided to do this all in one as, a, as an end-to-end -end service to offer the full scope. And what also makes you special is also the whole curation part. And in the end, which is also the end-to-end -end solution that you don't need to go to different companies to have one kind of kind of job being done. And our, our work is also, are they working for one company or also working for multiple clients? 
Well, that, that's a great value proposition for the candidates. So it depends a bit on the nature of the job, but the beauty of working as a candidate f- f- via a marketplace is that you can decide for who you want to work. You can typically negotiate on your rate. So you can set an expectation what you want to earn. If you live in a country like South Africa or maybe in Asia, you don't need to move to Europe. You don't need to move to North America, but you can simply work from home because that's what we do. So we have access to this job market. So if people are employed more on a longer term contract, so typically they start with a six month contract, for example, they work on this job, but mostly companies are so happy with the, with the people, with the availability and the quality of the people that they renew it. So for example, 90%, so 90% of our people that work longer than 12 months with us on an employee contract. So then they typically stay with the company. We also give them the opportunity to sometimes to, to have a stepping stone to this company. So some companies, they relocate them to the Netherlands and they onboard them into our, their own team or they put them on their own contract. But yeah, if you work on a freelance and it's a short term and you maybe work for two weeks for, for, one, for one month because of uh, peak season, yeah, then you work for one month in this company, you work for another company. So you, you work between jobs. And also if they work via us for a company, they typically also work for other companies at the same time. And is there also a, a way to, that you also facilitate people to, to tr- for training or to get a career, maybe start with easy tasks and then, and then they make it harder? Well, I think that's also one of the reasons why we choose to go for customer service because customer service is, is, is a very nice way into companies. You speak with clients, you speak with end consumers, so you learn a lot about the business. I think it's a bit of like the Netherlands people start their career a lot in hospitality. So uh, talking to customers, showing empathy, understanding the business. That's also how I see customer service a bit. So people typically start in customer service. And then there's after nine months, 12 months, one and a half years, there's a great opportunity to grow into other roles. And that's what you see also with our candidates is that typically 70%, so 70% of our candidates are higher educated, but it's more because they live in a country where they don't have access to the job market or not to a job they want to do, maybe they studied for or where they're passionate about, and they don't want to work maybe on a blue collar job locally. So they w- they work via us to start in customer service to get this hook into, into a company, into this international company. And from there they grow into maybe a marketing role or development role, uh, which they studied for. And <clears throat> so now you're a, a kind of a global employer. So how do you organize that? Well, we focus really on the marketplace. So we focus on liquidity of having candidates on one on one side and company obviously on the other side. We focus on on creating the quality, so on the matching. And again, the matching can be in soft skills and hard skills, but cultural fit, that's that's sometimes the most difficult to do. How do you measure cultural fit? (laughs) There are something that that you can easily measure, like education, language skills, but cultural fit, when do you see it's a good cultural fit? Yeah, that's that's a great question because that's a big puzzle. Are we also something we try to crack, but... Also on our end, in our team, hiring people from those countries, understanding what are, what are local habits. Some countries, it's it's just very normal to apply to multiple jobs and to maybe last minute decide on which one you want to hire, which one which job you want to take. Some countries, they it's very normal to apply on jobs whether you're already on a job, but understanding these local habits and taking that into account in the match. 
that's very important because in the end, if if we make a match on the platform and you as a company, you find someone, you want them to start because you invested in the process, you invested in this person and you want them to start. So it's also that we add all this kind of local market intelligence to the platform and we help the companies working with us because they don't know this. And we help them in, in matching and in creating the quality of the platform. That also limits the the amount of countries that you can be active because in the end you really also want to understand the 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 local and cultural values and habits. So you can't say, okay, I I open a platform for everybody in the world. If you're if you're living in in India, China, uh, Indonesia, Mexico, doesn't matter, because you also really want to have the the knowledge about okay, who are the workers and also how to also have the best fit with the clients as possible. Yeah, it really depends on the company basically itself because. Ultimately, they're going to work for the company. So we are only a marketplace. So we're helping them to find the people. But if a company, maybe it's a bigger company and they're used to working with a lot of cultures, a lot of languages, for example, then it's already different. But we also see maybe more with the smaller company that they they work more with Dutch people. And then all of a sudden, if someone from another culture, which is totally different, then it can be really a culture shock for both sides. So not just from the company perspective, it can be, Maybe a negative experience, but also from the Canada experience. And probably cultural difference you also see in the in the answers they give and the way how they also work with the clients. That's that's also nice to to see. As you say, matching is is probably our. You always want to improve. You always for every company is different. Every candidate is different. Every culture is different. We should just acknowledge that. So we need to understand those local things. We need to understand those differentiators to make a to make a better match because for both sides, candidate and the company. If you want to start again, you don't want to lose someone after two months, after three months, you invested in someone. So making a sustainable or creating a sustainable relationship where everyone is happy, that's the most important. I think that also makes also the difference also with the traditional gig platforms, because in the end, there's more about a, a one-off transaction, let's say a taxi ride. But here, I think the both stakeholders, as well as the clients as worker, they benefit from a investment in a more long-term relationship. So it's not only about one transaction, okay, get me to the airport, but it's more about a longer-term relationship you want to build, which probably also makes that both sides need to invest in that. Yeah, and that's also one of the reasons why we take the employment on our shoulder. So it's that's also then directly our business model that we... Obviously, our fee is is kind of incorporated into and the longer someone is on the job, well, the, the more fee we get. Uh, so we are, as you say, we are incentivized to make a good match. And if we were only more a transactional platform and would only do the match, which is maybe more typical in recruitment, then you get the money. And then maybe if the match is not right, you still get the money and you can even make a new placement and earn again money. And I don't think that's fair. So I think that makes fair that everyone... So whether it's the company, whether it's the candidate, whether it's us as the marketplace, have an interest in making the right match and should yeah, benefit or get penalized for it. Yes, and at what way do you also really make yourself different from the market? Because you already mentioned, okay, traditionally companies, they were looking via, let's say, temp agencies to find people. That's, that's, that's more local. There are also platforms that are more global, but they are not employing the workers, but using me as a freelancer, and I listen to some podcasts, and the conditions are not always that nice, and, that, and they're not always that open to, to the workers, to say it kindly. So, in what way do you also position yourself in, in that field, and does the way that you work make your company also cheaper or, or more expensive than, uh, than competitors? Well, for us, compliance is really important, and compliance would mean adhering to local market standards. 
So you can explain that into paying market rates, employing whether it's a labor contract, whether it's a freelance contract, so localizing the contract. And that's what we really focus on. So yes, for if you would say for a Dutch company, if you if you hire someone in South Africa, yeah, the wages are lower in South Africa than in the Netherlands. So yeah, a company in the Netherlands, they benefit from from this. So that's definitely a benefit. It's not something we can influence. It's just the way the world economy works and, and that people are paid less there. But it's also that the cost of living is different there. So we really look at, okay, what is the, the, the market rate kind of, of of this particular job? So whether it's customer service, whether someone speaks one language, two languages, maybe three languages. So that has a value. So yes, the, again, the Dutch companies, the benefit from it, but they can also go to maybe bigger global platforms and, and get for much cheaper, get someone. But it's not something that route we we don't want to go after because I think it's, it makes fair, it, it's fair for candidates to earn a fair wage, which well makes sense to to local market standard. So I'm a I'm a big fan of localizing salaries. So I'm not a big I'm not so big fan of kind of standardizing a, a one size fits all salary across the globe. You're talking about fair pay. So what what do you mean with fair pay? And also how do you because some countries uh, let's say they don't have a, a minimum wage. So at what way do you calculate? Okay, what is the fair pay for somebody working let's say in South Africa? Yeah, that's a great question. We constantly calibrating kind of the local market rate for this specific job. So not every country, they have a minimum wage, but typically the candidates via our platform do, they're not working on minimum wage because they have more skills, they speak more languages. So they have a, a certain value for the international companies. It's always that we adhere to local market standards. So they always, that's a big, big check for us that they always get paid above the minimum wage. But typically in a lot of countries like Portugal, like South Africa, for example, the minimum wage is much lower. So it's also a great opportunity for the candidates working via a platform that they can earn much more than the minimum wage. So maybe the minimum wage in, in one of those countries is just a few, few hundred euros. So if if a Dutch candidate was to work for maybe in a local bar or for a really local job, they would earn a few hundred euros. But via us, they have this connection to international companies and they can maybe double the salary. And then, as I said, they can negotiate about this. So it's also that it's also something we don't have control over. We don't want to have control over. It's it's something between the company and the candidate itself. So you really comply to the to, to the local standards, and sometimes also go above. And in the end, the worker can also negotiate with the employer about their rates. Yeah, and we again we help the company with this because not every not the company they don't know all the rates in these countries. So apart from all the local nuances about culture, we we help them with, with salary. Okay, what is the salary in this country for this position? And typically people hire from a multitude of countries. So it can very easily be that you hire in your team, you hire someone in Portugal, someone in South Africa and someone in Spain in the same team. It can be that the people then earn, they, they earn different, but they earn compared in their country. So in the index kind of relative to their country, they earn the same. And how do you prevent <clears throat> or how do you deal with that set client? Maybe say, okay, let's have more people from, let's say, such a variety of team because they're cheaper than people, let's say, from Germany. Is it something that you just really take up to the client or is it also something that you also intermediate or have an opinion about? We have an opinion about it, yes. It's it's more that we also, apart from curating the candidate side, we also curate the company side. So which companies want to work for us and what is their int intent? Um in the end, if they, you would expect that maybe if, if a company is solely focused on cost, 
then they will probably go to co- to countries where the where the wage is cheaper. But in practice, you don't see that to be honest too often. It's more that if you again, if you would only focus on one country, then finding people very fast and quality people, you also limit yourself again. So it's it's mostly the case that people still hire from a mix of countries so maybe from five six seven countries and then in one country it's more expensive than in the other but in the mix it's what they're looking for so you're also curating about what clients do you want to uh, to have yeah and it's also that we sometimes reject companies from our platform so some companies are like yeah i want to really the minimum wage worldwide go find it for us and we then we know the platform for that and there are other platforms maybe the bigger freelancer platforms where they can better go to and we redirect them to to there because it's in the end from the candidate perspective as i said it's it's not a great value proposition so we want to give the candidate again the the opportunity to work for this international company and also earn more and decide for who they want to work work directly for the brand so candidate experience is is one of the biggest drivers for our flywheel yeah so 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 cheapest price is not a part of your value proposition to clients no I think it's strong. Uh, yeah, it, it is. Uh, as I said, it's not something we can decide on because every country is different and we accept that. It's more of a benefit. I always say for a company that if they work via us, they, they can save cost. But the biggest proposition for us, for companies, is that we can find them very quickly. So they're really flexible in finding people. And we, because we create the people and we can select, because we have this big pool of candidates, we have more than 40,000 people in the talent pool. So you can really select. Uh, so I'd rather invest in making the right match and creating this sustainable relationship. And yes, cost is very important, so don't get me wrong. But it's not a hunt necessary for the cheapest price. And about your, your organization, because you're based in Amsterdam, do you, do you also have plans on, on maybe also expanding with offices to the countries where most candidates come from? Or, or then how do you make sure that the, 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 the quality and also the, the link to the workers in the countries is, is, is secured? Because, yeah, you're working a lot of remotes, but how, you, how do you make sure that's, that you keep there the right balance in? Yes, we are a remote company. So we are, we have, we already been for quite a while a firm believer of remote work. So even before COVID, we saw already this opportunity of if you want to access the, the best talent and create opportunities for them, you should go remote. So in our growth, I don't foresee really that we would open offices across the world. So we have a small office in the Netherlands where we go to if we want to. So people can also in our team work location independent. So they can work from home. They can go to an office. They can work in a co-working. What fits best for them. So how do we know about those local specialities? Because we hire also people from those countries. So also for our own team, for also our own candidate operations team, for example, which talking a lot with candidates and which are helping them, our support team, they are from these countries. Uh, on one hand, they have experience working customer service, so they know how, how it is to work in customer service. They can also help the candidates. Hey, if you're going to work for a company, this is how it will look like. This is how it looks to work from home. This is how it looks remote, etc. But it's also that these people, they know about the local markets. And it's also that we talk a lot with, so we have some preferred countries we hire from because we know the candidates companies are looking for we can find in these countries so it's it, we invest a lot in 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 getting this intel and it can be from a cultural thing but it can also be that for example in south africa you have load shedding I'm not sure if you're familiar with it but sometimes they shut down the electricity because of peak capacity so for example we check with those candidates whether they have their own utilities or backup power or solar panels for example so that they can can continue working so that's also part of creating the candidate side 
Yeah, and then also also talk, talking about more work work related costs. Let's say the, the the internet, the laptop, or maybe a solar panel. Is it also something that's that, that, that's being pro- provided by the clients? We we typically look at total compensation. So it's really there is a big tendency for governments to make all these kind of allowances. So internet allowances, work from home allowances. I think it's good because it it some way makes fair, but it also makes it really complicated. So we really look at okay, what is the total compensation for this person in Spain or in Portugal. Sometimes it's it's just mandatory, so we need to pay this allowance. But we typically look at okay, what what we, what is the sum of everything together, and that's what we pay, and that's also what we advise to our companies working via us. We recommend you paying this, but it's always up to the company mm-hmm. to to offer this. So if it's mandatory, then it's mandatory. So that's definitely what we check. So if a checks and balances there, but if a company wants to, for example, provide any health insurance or maybe a pension plan or they want to standardize any engagement budget because they also do this in the Netherlands, then it's up to them. When we started this conversation, when I asked you, okay, can you describe Kokoroko? Then you were saying, okay, we're now operating in customer support markets. Does it also mean that you also have ambitions to go into other markets? Yes, we call it verticals, so other job verticals. We're now focusing on this because the customer service market is really big. So uh, I wouldn't say we will do it in a short-term future. So just as a figure, around 2% of the people worldwide are doing something in customer service. So the market is huge. It's much bigger than we think, and there are much more people working in this. Unfortunately, also a lot of people working in not so good circumstances, unfortunately. And again, that's something we want to give opportunity to those people. So we have a lot of candidates working maybe traditionally in some of those companies where they weren't treated that well, typically in an office environment. And via us, they can work from home for an international company and work and earn more more money. So that's a great value proposition for them. So I think the customer service market is, is big enough. There is obviously now with the whole AI well, kind of automation going faster and faster. There is pressure on the market. So there's a big, I think it's a million dollar question. So how this, how the labor market will look like in, in the next five to 10 years, especially with regards to online work, because customer service is online work. I think that, that that's what you can virtualize. That's what you can do remote. So it's not just that if you're working in the Netherlands now and you're doing a virtual job, there are Basically, the whole world can replace you for doing a job. And there's automation coming, which can also do your job. So I think more the physical jobs, they will become more scarce. If you're you're a plumber or a construction worker, that's where maybe the value will be. So maybe, I don't know, it's just a guessing, but maybe these the the odds will change and these kind of roles will become much more expensive than roles you can virtualize. But there's so many other jobs you can do online. Close to one third of all jobs you you can do online. So you can talk about, you can think about, I think development has already been done quite well. So IT jobs, marketing, it's quite popular already to do that online. But I think you'll see this across other industries like finance. I think accountancy is is a big one you can do online, especially with kind of standardizing like GAP and IFRS. You can you can find those people. But yeah, the beauty of our pro also in regards to automation and to kind of re- being replaced by AI, yeah, there there's definitely something there. And I'm I'm a big believer that the jobs which are being done today won't be de- done in the same way in five years. So with us having access to this global talent pool, we are able to understand the skills of those people and the characteristics, the local cultures. And our long-term kind of secret sauce is also that we can move with the market demands. 
So maybe the demand for a customer service employee today is X and we can find that globally. But if it will change and, and that will definitely be and it will definitely be faster, I think, than, than everyone thinks, we can also find the new skill set. And if we are able to understand that, and that's part of curating, as I said, assessing, understanding the candidates, creating, we can understand, okay, maybe someone today is a good fit for customer service, but if someone would take XYZ training, you would be a good fit for being an account manager or being a developer. And that's also something we are offering and going to offer more to candidates as a value proposition that if they work via us, they can take trainings, they can obtain certificates, they can take a lot of courses in maybe working or improving their soft skills or working maybe on hard skills like working in a specific CRM or coding skills. And if they can train them and and they have more batches, they can also take another job. So that reflects back to kind of having customer service as a stepping stone for them to grow into other roles. And that's also, I think that's a massive value proposition for those people which have which don't have this opportunity maybe in the in the local talent pool they're, they're working, that via us or via other companies. I wouldn't say we are the only one doing this. So, But there's a massive opportunity for whether it's an employment agency, whether it's a platform, whether it's a marketplace, whether it's a, a community platform to invest in this. And I think, and, and also of, of great value also for the for the work, but also in the end of the clients, because it's in the end of, of course, you're a, a platform marketplace that needs to, that really has two clients, which is the 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 company and, and, and the worker. Uh, and in a scenario that you also just mentioned, I think it's really interesting and looking forward to follow also uh, your work in the next, the next five or 10 years. And uh, yes, I will. It's also then, will then also not your role maybe change a bit because now you say, okay, we, uh, we're doing the matching and we're facilitating uh, within the, the whole employment model. But in the end, the negotiation is between the, the company and the worker. I think at the moment that you also go to more, do, do more investments in the worker, that this role also maybe change a bit that you are going to be a, a bit more the, the central employer of this worker and also maybe have a more a more say also in these ne- in these negotiations well i think we always i think every plat- platform wants to make it as, as simple and transparent as possible so every company every platform is expanding features functionalities to make the transaction easier so that's also as i said what what we do on on this end to end so facil- facilitating kind of global employment, whether it's finding someone, whether it's employing someone, whether it's assessing someone. And also from a candidate perspective, it should be your way to go, your portal kind of to global work. The, the easier you make it, whether it's on finding jobs, whether it's the right fit of jobs, whether it's easy payments, whether it's maybe f- even for candidates paying them in uh, stable currencies. So paying them in euros or maybe paying them in dollars. That's also a very big uh, proposition for them. So yeah, it's now it's more about facilitating uh, this, but we're also looking to op- opportunities, for example, of making those people in, pro- in operation more productive. So once the match is made and someone is on a job, that's now typically where our job ends. Yes, we employ him or her, so we are a formal employer, but we don't control so much the operation. But if we can provide him or her with a workspace, for example, with all kind of tooling and make, can make this worker also more productive, then for a company, there's another value proposition. So it's not just about flexibility. It's not just about quality. It's not just about cost, but it's also that the work we provide to them where they can find trust is that they're also more productive. So I think everyone wants to move up the value chain, but there are also other companies coming from the other angle from from there moving into employment and want to go that route. So 
There's so many opportunities with remote work in the end. There are so many great people out there, but they're living somewhere. It's, you need to find them, you need to employ them. And then, yeah, there's a great opportunity for them to work. Cool. So thank you very much. Really looking forward to following the, uh, your journey in the next coming years. And uh, thanks for the interview. Yes, you're welcome. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me again. I like how Floor and his colleagues think carefully about the value they add for both clients and candidates. Whereby it's always a balance between the values from Kokoroko and those from the stakeholders they serve. The fact that they also regularly turn down clients shows that they have a good faith in the approach they have taken. Besides an insight into the operation and the choices they make, I found it interesting to hear from Floor how he views the future of the online labor markets and the value they can add as a platform. I share his belief that, partly due further digitalization and the developments of AI, this will look completely different in less than a decade. After all, AI will be able to answer most of the simple question itself in the local language. And with it, the customer service profession will also shift towards data analysis, consultancy and collecting new tools. I think a service provider like Okoroko will move much more towards the customer, operating at customer level in one hand, but will also be able to use the economies of skill of serving many customers via the platform to help the market further. For the candidates, it will be important to properly map skills and develop possibilities to train the employee on missing skills in order to make them more flexible and employable. I think the fact that a lot is already being invested in workers and a commitment to the platform is a good sign for the position of this group of workers in the future. After all, when you mutually invest, you will also have more of an incentive to take good care of each other. For me, this conversation again gave valuable insights. I hope it has also inspired you and encouraged a good discussion on the future of the global labor market that works and offers opportunities for all. Thanks for listening and don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Also check our weekly newsletter and online webinars on the global gig economy. You will find the links in the show notes.